or code of conduct in the King James Bible. I hate snakes, Shock! I hate them! And may the Christian Lord guide my hand against your Roman popery! And they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! We're on a mission from God. Entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Maybe we should chug on over to Mamby Pamby Land where maybe we can find some self-confidence for you, you jackwagon! Coming to you live from his padded cell high atop Bethel Church, the most heralded, the most despised talk show in all of human history. This is the talk show Hell Hates. This is Pastor Mike Online. And, oh, wait a minute. Man, it's like everything's all messed up. What in the world is going on? No, no music, no applause. What in the world? I don't know if I can start now. It's it's like all my cues are messed up. Coming to you live from our top secret broadcasting bunker. This is Pastor Mike, and I'm online, and I'm live with you today. Good to be with you. <clears throat> this is the talk show, Hell Hates. This is the talk show that apparently my Wirecast software hates. Because everything's off today. Um... Praise the Lord. We got, we're going to start out with a, uh, a praise, uh, praise the Lord moment. I'm going to um, flash some pictures up on the screen for you. And uh, this is from, uh, let's see here. Let me put that there. And let's see here. We'll we'll do hit that button and we'll do that. And there we go. Um we are starting we started our feeding for Christmas this week. Uh actually today. And today is pretty much over uh in Kenya. It is about uh, nine o'clock in the evening there. And it is dark. Uh, let see if I can zoom in on that a little bit. Um, <clears throat> just You can just see the condition uh, that this man is in. He is very uh, gaunt. Um, there is no muscle tone to his legs. He suffers from uh, severe starvation. And um, God said, feed him, so we fed him. And uh, we pray that that will uh, last him a little while and uh, another source of food can find its way to him is what our prayer is. Here's another one. Um, by the way, these are not the the ladies of Africa who put these... Uh, rings around their neck and stretch their necks out like a giraffe. Um, 
Uh, we don't know. Uh, I, I don't know that those people uh, exist in Kenya. They might. I just have not been introduced to them. Uh, the you can clearly see. Uh, tell you what. Let me zoom in on this one as well. You can see that the uh, there's a lot of space around her so that it's not pushing up on her head. And by the way, those if you uh, remember this maybe from uh, a class you had in school or whatever, uh, once those ladies, and it starts out when they're, when they're little girls, once they start putting those plates and, and, and elongating their necks, uh, they can never they can never take those off. They wear those for life because if they did take them off, uh, there there's not enough muscle tone to hold their head up from their neck, and it could very very easily result in death uh, because I think if something about it snapping the 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 uh, the spinal cord and so on. So anyway, um, another gentleman that is uh, very, very um, starved. And, um, and by the way, by the way, the man that we, uh, that we named an official uh, Bethel elder, an elder of Bethel Church, um, uh, bishop, no, he's not bishop. We call him uh, Elder Etole. Uh, he is still alive. He is doing okay, and uh, we st- we still provide food for him um, on a regular basis. Uh, in other words, whether we're doing a feeding or not of the rest of the people, we supply him with salt, with uh, sugar, uh, with oil, with beans, with corn. Uh, the things that he would normally, ordinarily eat. And I got the opportunity uh, to meet him personally uh, when we went to Kenya this, uh, the beginning of this year. And uh, what a joy it was to, to pray with him, to pray for him, and then to have him pray for me. Uh, it was an absolute joy and... Um, Look forward to, if possible, meeting him again um, in Kenya. I have announced uh, last night that uh, I am going back to Kenya in January. Um, I'm taking a couple guys from the church this time. Uh, Something different. And they volunteered. They came to me and asked me, hey, can we go? And I said, well, I, let me, boy, wow, you know, let me think about that. Let me pray about that. And uh, God gave me peace about it. And um, I'm not going to say who it is, uh, but they, they offered to, to, to even pay their own way. And I, I just praise the Lord for that. So uh, we've got some guys in our church that are going to see firsthand uh, the work that we do out there and, and how necessary it is. And... Um, so I'm looking forward to, uh, to just spending some time with them, sharing with the people in our church exactly what it is that God has us doing out there, the, um, the scope of, of how much 
how many people we reach on a, every day, on a daily basis, the number of people that we are able to minister to. And looking forward again to going out there. We'll be going in, in January. And uh, I hate this. Oh, I hate it. But I will be gone three Sundays in a row. I haven't been gone three Sundays in a row since COVID. Um, then I had, a, you know, I couldn't get out of bed. And with this, I, I can get out of bed. I just can't catch a flight to, to Missouri and back every Sunday. I commute. <laughs> a 24-hour commute. Uh, so anyway, we have uh, we have uh, uh, brother Jason Hutzel, uh, who is going to come and and from Kansas and fill the pulpit. A lot of you guys like Jason. I like Jason. He's a good friend of mine. His dad is a good friend of mine, brother Mike Hutzel, and then uh, a new young man that uh, we started using this year, brother Chuck Felker, uh, and um, he did a wonderful job. Uh, when he covered for me last time, and he is going to come again. And uh, so just be praying for these men and pray for us, all right? Uh, here's, aw. If there was ever a reason to take some of your money and let it be used to feed some people in Kenya. This is the reason. Um, Proverbs 16.33 The lot is cast into the lap. Um, but the Lord oversees it all. That could have been you, born out there in literally a desert in Turkana. That could have been you. Uh, but it wasn't. God allowed you to be birthed in a country, uh, and I'm speaking of the United States, and, and a few other countries. God allowed you to be born in a country where there was some amount of prosperity, um, and so it it falls on us to whom much is given, much is required, and so I feel like that much has been given into my hands, not. Not just money-wise, um, but the, the gifts that God has blessed me with, the things that I've seen in the Scriptures, the things, the connections that God has made in my mind concerning what I believe is going to happen in the future, um, all of these things, God has blessed me with that. And so I feel like it is my responsibility, my duty, um, as a Christian, to not hoard that, but to share that. We give, uh, you know, we give everything that we record here 
We give that out free of charge. We put it on YouTube. Don't ask any money. Put it on Sermon Audio. You don't have to pay a fee. We send out DVDs. We don't ask that anybody send us any money for those at all. We do that as this is how God has blessed us and we want to return the blessing. Um, But when it comes to uh, these families, uh, that blessing... I just sort of, I'm, I'm praying about this, but I, I think I know what direction uh, the Lord would have me go. And that is, uh, at this, from this point forward, I mentioned it yesterday, or Tuesday. Uh, from this point forward, I am going to make public when we're feeding, where we're going to be feeding, the number of people we're going to be feeding, uh, the cost of each bag of food has gone up significantly. And uh, some of you out there, you would have given already if you would have had a clear idea and understanding of, of how much it, it takes. Somebody actually asked me, Pastor Mike, if I give so much money, they give me an amount, how many people would that feed? And I told them. And so I assume that they're going to give maybe that much or a little bit more. It gives them an, it gives them an idea of how much uh, it takes to feed. Now, uh, we try to feed two to 3,000 people, sometimes more if we can. Um, we try to look for discounts on the food that we give, be it corn or... Uh, beans or uh, oil or, or salt or anything like that. Uh, we have a, a, a it just we just figure out the cost and it's usually about nine dollars for one bag for one of those that red bag of food it's usually about nine dollars and that's supposed to last a week for this family. Now, if this lady feeds these children, that will that will probably not last a week. A mother like this primarily will make sure her kids are full first, and then she'll eat. And so, I, I again, God is. I think God is laying on my heart that from now on, I'm going to share with you that we are feeding. Uh, and uh, approximately how many people we're going to feed, and uh, just about how much it costs to feed one family. Uh, And then I am going to, um, I believe I'm going to start offering you the opportunity uh, to help give for this cause. It is something that I believe God has laid upon our heart. It is something that uh, I enjoy doing. Um, I think it's the right thing to do. I think it's the biblical thing to do, the Christian thing to do. And if nothing else, we can eliminate the, uh, the people who would gainsay us or the people who would denounce us uh, in various ways. We could just simply say, you can say what you want to, but we fed 60,000 people last year. Okay, now, we probably won't reach that this year, um, 
But anyway, um, it, I think it would be something that our enemies would stand up and take note on. Okay? So anyway, I am inviting you this week, uh, all this week, because we're going to try to continue it uh, as we approach Christmas. Uh, I am inviting each and every one of you uh, to send uh, an extra gift. You can just mark it, uh, food program if you want. That's fine. And um, all of your money that you send, like that, that's marked, we're going to send it to Kenya. Okay, we're going to buy food with it. We're going we're gonna to feed the people in Kenya. Um, here's a young lady here. Um an old gentleman and an, and a lady sitting outside. This is their house. This is their mansion, as it were. And just think, just think. If we could, if we could get them to give attention to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they would give their lives over to Jesus Christ. They're going to die. And probably when they see what God has for them, they may die again. I'm just kidding, of course, but they may not, they may be going, oh, those are for the angels or the saints, but that's not for us. Jesus said, no, I, I went to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you so. To, to live there and then to live in a mansion that God has prepared for them. Uh, folks, it just doesn't get any better than that. These young boys. Um, they need a future. They need an education. They need a future. And uh, pray that we're able to give them one. Uh, let's see. Is that where we started? No. Oh, look at that little girl. Oh, my goodness. Bless their hearts. Oh, that one makes you sad right there. This person here is so weak from starvation that they literally can't get up and prepare the food themselves. Somebody more than likely will prepare some food for this person and feed it to them to give them a little bit more strength. Okay? All right. That's all the pictures I have today. I appreciate your time in that. Uh, let's go now to the... I got a video to show you. Somebody sent it to me and... Um, the more I thought about it, the more I went, that's, that's paganism. It is paganism, pure and simple, being performed by a so-called Christian minister that when I share with you uh, who it is, you'll see it. Um, I'm going to get some sound effects ready here. There we go. Oh, passed it up. Passed it up. There we go. Sound effects. There we go. Get those sound effects ready. How about 
There we go. Heard that one. All right. Now, um, let me pull up some scripture for you, and we'll just go line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and over yonder a little. In Genesis chapter 9, God now God expressed this commandment before the law. This is how important this is to God. God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruits. No, no, be fruitful. There you go. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Now, I want to say in a loving way, not trying to offend some of my brethren out there, but there are some who believe that there was an entire world that God created between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2. 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. In In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now, they want verse 2 to say something different. And the revised standard version does. And so, oftentimes, in fact, here's the book here that does it. Dispensational truth. When it comes to Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. Genesis 1-2, what they want is, they want verse 2 to say, and the earth became without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the of the waters. That's what they wanted to say. But it doesn't say that. Clarence Larkin did say it that way in this book Dispensational Truth. And you know what? I love my brothers and sisters. I love all of those who love the uh, King James Bible, um, but they put an entire world of creation between Genesis verse 1 and verse 2. And they say that um, the angels were in charge of that earth and they all went bad. And they destroyed it awfully. And that's where the dinosaurs come from. And that's where the, um, um, all the fossils come from and the age of the universe. Because there's um, you know, stars out there that are millions of miles away and so on and so on. So this is how uh, Clarence Larkin 
attributed the idea that there was a world before the world that you see in uh, Genesis chapter 1, verses 3, 4, 5, and, and on and on and on. But you can't change the Word of God. And there's a difference. The King James says, And the earth was without form and void, meaning that when God created it, He created it originally without form and void. And then, over the course of that week, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, God added to the earth everything that's on it. So like in day two, he divides the firmament, the waters above from the waters below. On day three, God spoke and all of the world became full of vegetation, just like that. Uh, uh, let's see here. Yeah. Verse, uh, verse 11. Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after its kind, and whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, and herb yielding seed after its kind, and the tree yielding fruit, and whose seed was in itself after its kind. And God saw that it was good, and the evening and the morning were the third day. So God literally covered the entire earth with vegetation, fruit trees, wheat, barley, all the things that grow from the ground, vines, grapes, you name it, pomegranates, uh, persimmons. Oh, I love persimmons. All of those things. Okay? And then on day uh, five, God filled the seas with all kinds of fish, all kinds of them. God filled the sky with every kind of bird that you see in the sky. God filled the skies with them. They're everywhere. Then on day six, God filled the entire land of the earth let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth after his kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth, the cattle, everything that creepeth upon the earth. God saw that it was good. And then God put man on the earth, day six. Now, the reason why I'm saying that is, let's go back to chapter nine. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. These um, Larkinites say that the word replenish means to plenish it all over again because of of the destructive nature of what happened between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. But here's your problem. By the time Genesis 9 comes around, God had all... In fact, the word replenish is in, um, it's in a previous verse. Yeah, 128. 
God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. So the, the Larkinites say that God put it into man's hands to regrow all the grain, to replant all the seed trees, all the fruit trees, all the vines, all the grass that man had to put back onto the earth everything that the devil destroyed off of the earth that was before Adam, that the devil and his angels destroyed everything. Well, that doesn't work. Because as God goes, we just read, as God goes through day three, day four, uh, day four is he created the sun, moon, and the stars. Day five, the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air. And day six, all the beasts of the earth. God already replenish, which means to fill, to stock with numbers or abundance. The magazines are replenished with corn. The springs are replenished with water. Multiply and replenish the earth. To finish, to complete, so on. It means to replenify. By the time God creates man, man already now lives in a world that is completely full of all kinds of vegetation, all kinds of birds, all kinds of fish, and now all kinds of beasts of the earth. So God didn't tell Adam, Adam, look at this, look at this world. I know it's a mess. The devil did it. So you need to uh, you need to plant everything back all over again in order to set this world right. God didn't tell him that. That's not what the word replenish means. I will say that I do think it does mean that whatever man takes out of the earth that he puts back. I mean, only a fool would cut down all of the trees from his property and his neighbor's property for his firewood and for his building his house and everything like that and not attempt to try to grow those trees back again. I think that's foolish. So certainly I think the replenish part would be, Adam, if you grow a garden this year, uh, save as much of the compost, the mulch, and everything like that from it so you can replenish the land that you took everything from and you can put nutrients back into it and you can plant that land all over again. I think you need to replenish what you did. Anyway, let me move on from that. i just like to throw that in there. So Genesis 9 again. There is a, uh, and I'm setting this video up for you. I got a video that I could, I just went, oh my goodness, I can't believe what he's doing. Talk about blasphemy. So God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air and upon all the all that moveth upon the earth, upon all the fishes of the sea, into your hand are they delivered. 
And he said, uh, Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you, even as the green herb have I given you all things, but flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, ye shall not eat. And surely your blood, this is where God calls you know, Noah surely again. I don't know why he does that. Surely. Hey, surely your blood of your lives will I require, surely. And at the hand of every beast will I require it, and at the hand of man, at the hand of every man's brother will I require the life of man. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. And you... Be ye fruitful and multiply. Bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply therein. Now, God has given a very, very explicit, no uncertain law, commandment. Even before the Ten Commandments, even before the the law that God instructed Moses, and Moses wrote everything down, and he rolled it up, put it inside the Ark of the Covenant. This is, this is before all of that. And it says, you cannot consume blood. It's very simple. You cannot consume blood. Can't do it. So... Somebody, you make a trip to England and you're staying at a bed and breakfast or something like that. And uh, then uh, you you sit down to eat and they've got uh, bangers and mash. And then they've got uh, whatever bread they have. And then they serve some hot, fresh blood sausage. You should say, no, thank you. And if you want to tell them why, tell them why. Say, it is forbidden of me to consume blood because that's the life of all creatures. I'm consuming this blood, and I'm not allowed to do that. Um, Let me see here. Life and... We'll look at for the word blood, and we'll do it in the same verse, and that gives us uh, 27 occurrences. Uh, we have it in Genesis 9, of course, Leviticus 17, 11, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. Uh, verse 14, for it is the life of all flesh, the blood of it is for the life thereof. Therefore I said unto the children of Israel, you shall eat the blood of no manner of flesh, for the life of all flesh is the blood thereof, and whosoever eateth it shall be cut off. Uh, Deuteronomy, only be sure that thou eateth not the blood, for the blood is the life, and thou mayest not eat the life with the flesh. Uh, Let's see here. Um, John 6, 53. 
Let's look at this one. This ought to be fun. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whosoever, whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him upon the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead, but he that eateth this bread shall live forever. Now, what do you suppose Jesus was talking about? Now, Jesus has said, you must eat my flesh and you must drink my blood. Now, we have already been forbidden in the scriptures in no uncertain terms not just in Genesis or not just in Exodus but later on in where was it numbers and Deuteronomy God said don't do it because that's the life of that creature don't eat anything with the blood in it so there was laws that the uh, Israelites followed um, that when they killed an animal, they hung it upside down and then slit the throat of whatever it was, whether it was a, an ox or a goat or a lamb or whatever it was, they slit the throat the blood of that animal gushed out. And lo and behold, the Lord called that poor thing home. <laughs> that was funny. I said I thought that was funny. I thought it was funny. Come on, you can laugh. There we go. Um... So how do we reconcile this? How do we do this? Number one. Think of what God said in his word about. We do this. Blood of. There we go. Binding his fold into the vine and asses cold into the choice vine, he washed his garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes. So Jesus, at the Last Supper, was pouring into those cups grapes, 
blood. And then Jesus said, this is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, this do in remembrance of me. Um, the Bible says nothing, nowhere about the priest must convert the body of Christ and the blood of Christ into uh, some sacrificial um, salvation method whereby if you literally drink Christ's blood and literally eat his flesh, then you will spend less time uh, in purgatory and, and you'll, get, you'll get to go to heaven sooner. And it's all, it's all about drinking the real blood of Christ and the real flesh of Christ. Not the way Jesus said it, but the way they make it up. And again, no scriptures are telling you that a priest can turn a wafer and a cup into literally the meat, the flesh, and the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, uh, that's not really what I have for you today. But it sort of falls under that. Let's go now to the um, Jerusalem Council in Acts chapter uh, 15. There we go. Uh, certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. Okay, so they're teaching legalism. And I have, uh, I, I, I'm ashamed I'm to say that in times past, I have taught uh, and tried to live my form of legalism. Legalism, uh, it, it generally falls uh, amongst fundamentals, fundamentalists who um, are under the belief that because they don't act a certain way and they don't live a certain way, they don't comb their hair a certain way, in fact, their hair is longer than it should be, um, and certainly, especially on the women, you cannot wear a pair of slacks, you must wear a skirt, you must wear a dress everywhere you go. You must do that, or... They will say of you, they may not say it to your face, but they'll say it of you. Well, I just don't think they're really saved, to be honest with you. I mean, have you seen his hair? I mean, his hair touches the bottom of his ears. 
and uh, we just we just can't accept that as as being saved. They just show all the all the marks of being lost. I used to be that way, pretty bad. And um, God God helped me with uh, everything that He's delivered me from. That was God helping me out of that. So I know a little bit about how they think and, um, and, and what they are and what they represent. And so anyway, you've got the same group of people here who are going around telling everybody, Ah, you bunch of heathens! You come here, you say you're saved, but you're not because you haven't been circumcised. And I tell you right now, nobody who is, who is not circumcised will ever enter the kingdom of God. And people are going, amen, preacher, preach that preacher. I mean, after all, we don't want to dare be caught disagreeing with the preacher while he's, he's stomping and snorting and beating on the desk. We don't want to disagree with him. But the truth of it is, we don't agree with that. Well, you know, he's he's brother so-and-so. I mean, if, if it hadn't been for that brother so-and-so, oh, I tell you what, man, we just wouldn't have made it. I'd, I've heard enough of that, too. Men praising and, and uh, putting men up on pedestals. And I tell you, when you do that to somebody, I promise you, God's going to let them fall. And they're going to fall hard. And you're going to go, yeah, I knew something was wrong with that guy all along. I, I just don't go for that. But anyway, here's where I'm going with this. You have these people that are saying the Jews, the Gentiles, they just got to be, they just got to be uh, um, circumcised. They must be circumcised. And so um, there was no one person here in this meeting. This is important, I think. No single person who um, are the leaders. They're certainly not the Pope over these churches. Nothing. Nobody has that kind of authority, except, of course, Jesus. And so, during that meeting, it was, I believe, James, who said, men and brethren, uh, and by the way, ladies, I, I'm just going to point out, uh, I'm sorry if this offends you, but you can look very deep and very hard into the book of uh, Acts chapter 15 and what you're not going to find is women in an authoritative uh, spot um, that's just the way it was and this is the model that I believe God has given us and so anyway uh one gets up to speak, another gets up to speak. Finally, James stands up and he says, Fellas, now what we're wanting to do is noble, I believe. However, which one of us has kept God's law in a 
perfect manner. Which one of you has, has basically kept the law perfectly? And when he said that, people who would have raised their hand, they would just kind of went back down in their lap. They knew that in trying to keep the law, that mistakes were made. They, and they're the ones who made them. What? My music is playing? Come on. Ain't that pitiful? See, when I do uh, the, the picture and the picture thing, I have to turn off the sound or it does this. See? So I can't, I appreciate you letting me know. I, I can't hear. I don't know what's wrong with all my stuff today. So anyway. Um, so they say you gotta, you gotta follow the law. And then James stands up and says, we didn't follow the law, so we can't make them follow the law. But he said, there are some things that we think are very important. And we're going to give them, uh, four commandments that they should not do. Now, I personally wish that a fifth thing would have been added in there and it would have been, don't get tattoos. That's just me. So he says, um, verse 18, known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. Wherefore, my sentence is that we trouble not them which from among the Gentiles are turned to God, but that we write unto them that they abstain from pollutions of idols and fornication, and from things strangled, and from blood. We should not drink blood. So let's say that you get um, invited to your niece and nephew, niece or your nephews, your niece and your nephew. Uh, their marriage. And it's going to be held at St. Joseph's Catholic Church. And, uh, I mean, you don't want to, uh, you don't want the whole family mad at you. So, you go. If you go, you do not have to partake of the uh, the ceremony where the priest takes the wafer, abracadabra, turns it into the um, body and the blood of Jesus Christ. You eat it. You drink it. Now you are partakers of you basically, number one, they've crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh. Number two, your drinking his blood and eating his flesh is not going to help you stay true to the walk that is in Christ Jesus. It's not going to do it. You see, they make these promises to you. They, and they say, 
you know, boy, the, the more you partake of communion, the holier you become. I've heard um, some Protestant or we'll say Protestant or we'll say um, just whatever, Baptist or whatever. You can't, you can't drink the blood. You can't eat the flesh. But they're telling them, the, the Catholic Church tells you that's what you have to do in order to be saved. Now, I said all that. Now we're going to go to one more place. Um, and by the way, I did a video on Babylon a couple months ago. My uh, daughter or somebody reduced it down, or I think Stan did, reduced it down to uh, just a, a, a minute or two video to put it on uh, Click Clock. Isn't that, isn't that what it's called, Click Clock? Uh, oh, tick, TikTok, yeah, that's what it is. And uh, I said in there that I think it's possible that some of our leaders may have partaken of blood, human blood, in order to get a high from that because of the adrenochrome that's in there. And TikTok took that video down, sent us a notification and said, we took it down. So now it's down. And so uh, we kind of uh, re-edited a little bit, sent it back up again. They caught it. And I'm going... There are much worse things on Click Clock than what I just said. Hmm. Makes you, makes you wonder. So we put the, the second version up. They took it down too. So I don't know if I'm going to have my whole life taken down because of this. But in Revelation 17... This is what we're going to find. Um, there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials and talked with me saying, Come unto me, or come hither, and I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with what? The wine of her fornication. What did they get drunk with? They got drunk with wine. That's what they got drunk with. The wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast 
full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. Having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication, and upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, and abominations of the earth. They had to use that last little part right there to write that down. So her name is Mystery Babylon the Great. And verse 6, and I saw the woman, here it is now. I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. And the angel which uh, and the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her, um, uh, which hath the seven heads and ten horns. So, we see here that not only does Babylon drink the wine uh, of the fornication or the wine of the blood of the saints, but she gives it out to other people to partake of it. It is her religious, um, her religious symbol. Now, again, I've said all of that to say this. Here is Kenneth Copeland. Um, my sinuses are swollen real bad. So let me try to, uh, let's see if I can mute my microphone for a minute here. Oh, that feels a lot better. It's that time of year. All right, here's Kenneth Copeland. And he's demonstrating what he calls a blood covenant uh, demonstration. He, he makes the statement in this video. You can find this on YouTube. Well, it didn't take me long to find it. And this is a, a video piece without any of somebody else's um, uh, comment on it. But... Uh, Copeland, he's already taken salt. He had a shaker of salt. The guy uh, next to him there with the blue tie, he had a shaker of salt. They both poured their salt into a little baggie, and they sealed it up, and Copeland mixed it all up, and he handed it to the guy, and he said, now take your salt back out. And of course, there's no way. So Copeland's explaining this is how you make a, a covenant with salt, that you mingle the salt together. Are you catching this, people? You mingle the salt together. 
so that it is impossible for um, you to get all of your salt back and he to get all of his salt back. And then a guy brings out two bottles of grape juice, but that's not grape juice. It's ocean spray, cranberry, grape juice. It's grape juice that's been mingled with uh, cranberries, cranberry juice. And had a lot of sugar apparently put into it because it's sweet. So now I want you to watch Copeland and this guy... They're going to explain what a blood covenant is. And I think at some point Copeland says, see, this is the whole problem right here. We're Western people. We only understand these things from a Western viewpoint. But if you go to the East, in the Eastern viewpoint, they're the ones who have the true meaning of all of this. And see, I am sick of that. People telling me that because I don't study something from a a Jewish perspective or or a Hebrew roots perspective or as someone from the East that I will never, ever understand the true nature of anything in the Bible. But the truth of it is, my revelation or the revelation given to me To understand the word of God doesn't come from any direction other than up. Somebody say amen. Yes. So now watch, watch Copeland. Watch what he does. Listen to what he says. Any day now. So. This is your cup. Yes, sir. This is my cup. So, all right, stop right here. Copeland and whoever this quack is next to him are going to cut their hands and squeeze blood into these cups. However, there's a little secret. Neither one of them are carrying knives, and neither one of them actually cut their hands. Neither one of them does. Uh, If you've ever seen, it's a Clint Eastwood movie, The Outlaw, Josie Wales. Josie Wales, towards the end of the movie, he knows he needs uh, this uh, Comanche tribe's uh, help uh, because he's got the northern army uh, chasing after him. And uh, he goes to make peace with this Comanche chief, Ten Bears. And so the Comanche chief takes his knife and slices his hand open. And then Clint Eastwood pulls a knife, slices his hand open, and they join hands and push their blood into one another. And they think they think now that they're of the same blood. 
It's an ignorant concept. Mixing two blood types together does not make you of the same blood as he, nor does it make him of the same blood of you. He doesn't see with your eyes. You can't see with his eyes. You can't know what he uh, knows about the future and so on. But that's the idea. But I want you to watch what Copeland and this guy actually do. First of all, that's not a knife. That's not a knife. That looks more like a wooden popsicle stick. Pour that in there. Now you get your cranberry juice. See, he's going to act like it. He's That's even groaning. Now the camera the is too close. The camera can see that there's no blood coming out of Copeland's hands. But he wants everybody to believe that there is. And then I would do the same. Squeeze. Now Jesus said, take this cup. This is my blood of the new covenant. Watch it. They're poured together. Mixed our blood. Which is his and which is mine. And we could never separate. You them. can't separate that. Everybody's applauding, but That's nobody it. knows what that means. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. The Hebrew word for that, for, for blood, is Adam. It's where yeah. the root of Adam. Yeah. It's Adam's name was blood. <laughs> Genesis chapter 4. Cain uh, kills Abel. And Abba says, his blood cries out to me from the ground. That word is not blood cries out. If we translated it into English, it would, it's plural. It's plural. It's two of them. I didn't know that. And it's bloods cries out to me from the ground. And so, Lord, why bloods? It was Abel and all of the seed that would have come from Abel cried out. Bloods. Bloods. And this is why David had to find the blood of Saul and of Jonathan. They actually cut a blood cut. They cut what we did symbolically. Yeah, they they did. did that. And so he was bound to find the bloods of Jonathan and Saul. And that's what Jesus did to us. He cut a covenant with the Father and became flesh and blood. And this is why he said, as often as you drink this, yeah, yeah. we've partaken of his covenant and I'm part of that bloods in him. It's good stuff. Praise, praise God. So it's more than just a ritual we do. It's a holy thing. Oh, listen. Uh, and heals you. Now, now let, let me illustrate something else. Now, our blood has, symbolically has been mixed here. Now, at the communion table, yes, sir. he said, this is my blood of the new covenant. 
all of you drink all of it. Judas had to drink that. Yes, sir. So, and I want you to be this way every time you take communion and you ought to take it a lot, a lot. Now his blood mm. is in my body. Yes, sir. It's in there. His blood is mixed with my blood. Can you see it? We've been, Western people don't know anything about covenant. Eastern people do. Amen. Now, before you go. Yes, sir. I want you to talk about looking down in his face. Oh, the priestly blessing. (laughs) The blessing was given to Adam, Adam, was given then to Noah, pretty much the same blessing. And then on down, and then he gave it to Abraham. And Abraham was the first person that the father allowed to bless himself, to, to bless. He made sure that it went to the bloods. He said the blessing to Isaac and to Jacob as well, just like he'd said to Abraham. And then we get to Moses and Moses is allowed to give it to the Levites to give the blessing. And the blessing, may the Lord bless you and keep you, his face shine upon you. You know that, the Levitical prayer. The priest would do his hands like this. Do you see that? That sign right there. You see, Leonard, let me, let me get, let me jump in here. Leonard Nimoy was a Jew. And he grew up, his father taking him to temple every Sabbath. And whenever the priest got ready to say the final Adios, benediction. Then he would hold his hands like this in front of the congregation and say, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace and so on. Okay? And Nimoy's dad kept telling him, uh, son, look down now. Don't look upon that. That's holy. That's a holy thing he's doing. Nimoy said, I became fascinated with that, with why. I wanted to know why, what about that symbol that makes it so special. And uh, he adopted that when he got the role of playing Spock in Star Trek. He wanted to use some form of uh, a Vulcan greeting or Vulcan dismissal. And he simply did with his hands what he saw the priest do, live long and prosper. And this idea is that you have sons of God, daughters of men, three and three joining together. That's what that means. Now, um, I looked at... The Wikipedia article 
for uh, the the origins of this idea of blood brothers. Um, what is it about blood that people people do this thing? This and this. It, this goes back way before Clint Eastwood, okay, and the outlaw of Josie Wales. Goes back hundreds and, and maybe even goes back into antiquity. But the Wikipedia article on Blood Brothers says it can refer to two or more men not related by birth who have sworn loyalty to each other. This And the Bible tells us to be careful about striking hands with with someone. Be careful about striking hands. In other words, striking a a deal, making a handshake over a a contract or a covenant because they may bind you into a covenant that you are not aware of and now you're you're in the hole now. You, you You owe a debt that you cannot pay. Uh, and thank God, that's why Jesus said, blessed are the, uh, the poor in spirit. Okay? Blessed are those who are bankrupt. Uh, what else is going on here? Yeah, you do see three triangles. Uh, but anyway, blood brother can refer to two or more men not related by birth who have sworn loyalty to each other. This is in modern times usually done. Uh, in a ceremony known as a blood oath where each person makes a small cut, usually on the finger, because we're little sissies now. We don't cut the hand, uh, hand or the forearm, and then the two cuts are pressed together and bound. The idea being um, that each person's blood now flows in the other participant's veins. Remember, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. And also remember that a person's genealogy, their their whole background of where they came from and so on, that that plays that plays into that. So you're saying that the the DNA of my body and the DNA of your body are now going to mix together, and it's going to be like your dad and my dad are the same dad because we are now blood brothers. We have the same blood flowing through our veins. Uh, but anyway, a blood oath. Where each person makes a cut. They press together. The idea being that each person's blood now flows in the other veins. The act carries a risk due to blood-borne diseases. The process uh, usually provokes, uh, provides a partic- participant with a heightened symbolic sense of attachment with the other participant. In other words, I can now... See the way this man sees. I can fight the way he fights. Uh, I am always going to be on his side no matter what. Now, I read through these different 
symbolisms or different ceremonies that involve blood brotherhood. Take a look at this. Scythia. Mentioned in the Bible. Among the Scythians, the covenanters would allow their blood to drip into a cup. Just like Copeland and this dude did. They supposedly dropped their blood into this cup. Each one of their cups. Then, uh, the blood was subsequently mixed with wine. That's what they did. Uh, And drunk by both participants. Doing. That's what they did. Um, Every man was limited to having three blood brotherhoods at any time lest his loyalties be distrusted. As a consequence, blood brotherhood was highly sought after and often preceded by a lengthy period of affiliation and friendship. The 4th century B.C., um, this, yeah, the 4th century B.C. depictions of two Scythian warriors drinking from a single drinking horn, most notably in a gold applique or cool oba, have been associated with the Scythian oath of blood brotherhood. Um, and then it gives different ones, so on, so on, so on. I'm not going to read all those to you. But anyway, uh, if you want to, you could probably uh, look at, um, what am I trying to think of? Manly Hall's uh, Secret Teachings of All Ages and find out a little bit more about these blood covenants and these blood oaths. But when I saw that Scythian ceremony where they cut their hand, drop their blood into a cup, mix wine in with it, stir it up well, and then offer it to the person on your right or the person in front of you. He offers you his, and you both drink. Now you're bonded together with each of the other's blood. And folks... I don't care what Copeland said. You heard him say it. We just don't understand this in the West. That's why we we must look to the East. The East understands what a covenant's all about. And part of that is the Jews. Part of it is, and Copeland believes this, that the Jews are the only ones in the whole world who really have a good grasp and understanding of what the cross was all about, what Golgotha was all about. They don't, 
people, people to this day say to me, well, you know, we got to know how the Jews saw this. We got to know how the, you know, how the Jews believed in this. No, we don't. No, we don't. No, we don't. It's a simple, simple trust. Do you trust in the Lord? Do you trust in what God says to you? Do you trust the fact that um, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life? Do you trust in that? Do you trust in the fact that nowhere in the Bible, nowhere in the Bible, does it tell us that we should drink the blood of some saint or some Christian who died years ago or whatever? Man, oh man, I saw that. And I uh, appreciate who sent it to me. That was a good, that was a good video find. Uh, I may not have found that, so I really, really appreciate you doing that, okay? Well, let's see here. Do I have any music? Let's see here. Is that music? Can that, will that work? Well, I believe it does. We'll go out with that one. Food too, and this is just the first day of it. 